This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Only Friends Podcast. We're popping here today. It's just me, the tortoise, and Mr. Getting It Popping himself. Mm-hmm. You already know. Connie, Connie. I'm What's Connie. going on? What's popping? We decided that since Melissa's out of town, uh, not only do we get to talk sports ball, uh, which we spent a little bit of yesterday talking about. Actually, she would have enjoyed yesterday's conversation as we delved down into the, uh, into the performance-enhancing drug talk. But... Uh, in lieu of sports ball today, we're going to talk about this little thing that we do for fun, maybe even sometimes as a profession, a uh, little, little poker. Ooh, we're going to get to talk a little shop today. Uh, my plans are, well, you know what, we'll just get to that. Basically, there's, there's uh, some conversations to be had around Live at the Bike, uh, Hustler Live, the beef that they've seemed to have engaged in. <laughs> over uh the 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 past few months it's it's really shaping up in an interesting manner as well as an old hand that i played uh on live at the bike million dollar cash game versus nick rotucci no 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 don't not now nick's hand looks a lot like aces why do i hear this why am i hearing it play make it stop sorry boss (laughs) (laughs) i'm just giving the run a show man (laughs) um start things off though uh you know a little light news and notes as as uh, usual as we get into this thing. Um, our boy Landon, he's finally achieved what he set out to do in life. He has. He's become a meme. <laughs> and I'm fucking here for it, man. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Braun, I think it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, he is just out here doing Ryan. the... <laughs> Ryan's great. Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Melissa looks superimposed in these in these photos. <laughs> like, Melissa, why are you uh, in these photos? Oh man, it's so good. It just never ends. The one of him in the EPT stream actually looked legit. It was so like, It looked great. like, and the one uh, on the left here, where he's standing in front of Melissa, looks like she is the one invading his privacy. <laughs> Like she's taking a picture of him taking a picture. This is just so good. I hope this never dies. No, uh, I, I'm so excited. It needs to be like the the Bernie meme with the with the mittens. Yes, yes, <laughs> right. Just put Landon on everything. That's exactly what's gonna. Yes, be. please put him yes. on an aircraft carrier. It doesn't matter. It, it really, it really. <laughs> it's so good. Uh. I mean. Honestly, what were you thinking, bro? I know. Right, like, come on. He wants to be a meme. That's what it is. He does. He does. Because when you post a picture like that, that is... People, the internet is just gonna run with it. Yeah, yeah. Like every time he gets knocked out of a tournament, he should always be at that final table. Honestly, I think <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I actually do agree. Uh, I think I think something that we can do uh, to to aid in this is to create a uh, PNG file available for download off of our site. So yes. that you can all just like create your own Landon mm-hmm. memes. I like that. I, like that I, I think a lot. this is like, you know, right. Maybe this should just be like the thumbnail of like in some way, shape, or form. Landon's just in the thumbnail. Like how Melissa tries to put the pubes right. in all the thumbnails. Instead, we just sneak Landon yes, in. Yes, instead of the pubes, we have a where's Landon type of, of mystery. I can get behind that one. So much better. Um, I saw something. Actually, somebody sent this to me in, in my DMs on Instagram the other day. Uh, we were talking about how not everybody's built proportionally. And, you know, there are people with longer legs and then people who have longer torsos. And I'm a long torso guy. 
uh, and I get this a lot. Everyone's like, you have such amazing posture. I, and I, it, it's so frustrating because like, I'm not a short guy, but when they meet me, they always go, I thought you were going to be so much taller. <laughs> like, well, I'm six foot. But the reality is, is that I actually have like relatively short legs, all things considered and a long torso. And I think this Instagram clip really sums up uh, what it is that I'm demonstrating. So I am the guy on the right. that's incredible yeah uh and you could just see that like their torsos despite being maybe six or seven inches difference are probably comparable and their leg differential is you know probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like a foot i didn't know that the human body had that type of disproportionate I'm Body still text. throwing off. I still think it's Photoshop somehow. <laughs> like, it's a well, video, bro. It's, no, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think the guy on the left is slouching a little bit, and the other yeah, guy yeah, is sitting course. up right so just to, to make it a little different. But it's still. I mean, he is. Even if they were the exact same. Like, yeah, if, that's a if huge... they weren't. If, if one wasn't slouching and the other one wasn't um, uh, you know, sitting straight up, they'd probably be the exact same size sitting down. And then he still they stand yeah. up and one is six inches taller, which is incredible. Yeah, I, I didn't sure. realize uh, I didn't realize it was as common of a phenomenon as it is. Uh, for whatever reason, I just believe people were proportional, but that's probably the least likely outcome. Actually, we should um, we should do a video where all of us sit sit down in a row and then all stand up like that and yeah. see see what the see what it looks like the the difference. Yeah, that actually would be kind of funny. Um, I found out mostly about this through reading this book um, by David Epstein called The Sports Gene. It was, hmm. I can't remember if it was his first book or his second book. So he has two books. One's The Sports Gene and one is, I can't remember. It's about specialization. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was from The Sports Gene. And he was talking about how certain body types are, or have a propensity uh, to excel at certain sports. So swimmers tend to have long torso, short legs. Um, as short a, legs, really? Yeah. Because uh, they can move faster? I, I don't know the science behind it. I just remember him saying, like, Phelps is... I would think, like, a long wingspan would be... Right. Long, oh, so, long torso, short legs. So if you have a long torso, you have long arms as yes. well? Yeah. yeah, so it's proportional to your stature, not gotcha. to, to your actual limbs. Okay. Right, yeah. Um, like, my wingspan is probably much greater than the length of my legs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, he used Phelps as an example of somebody who's just like very disproportional uh, upper body to lower body. And he has this like massive wingspan uh, that's, you know, significant. I, I think the average wingspan is like tip to tip about your height, mm-hmm. give or take, or maybe right. like your height time or plus 10, plus 10%, something along those lines. I think my wingspan is like 6'4". Wow. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I can't remember what the inverse was. I think the inverse was running, like running sports, uh, specifically um, speed and distance. Oh, I think Usain Bolt was the, the counter example where his legs are just like so long. So long. Right. Yeah. So like one stride for him is like three strides for somebody else, for me. Yeah, I heard something else too. Uh, I think Usain Bolt has like the greatest turnover uh, ratio of anybody to ever sprint. Uh, so what that means is like, um, his ability to to take strides uh, is is faster than anybody else. So uh, stride for stride, he puts it up and, or picks it up and puts it down basically faster than anybody else. Um, Amazing. So I'm not sure like what his actual stride length is, 
it may actually be less than uh, like that might not be where his speed is actually coming from. It might actually just be from the sheer turnover rate, his ability to Fred yeah. Flintstone his way through, <laughs> through the competition, uh, if if you will. Um, yeah, I actually kind of like this. Uh, this is a side, but somebody said I suggest doing a countdown timer and or some poker out loud highlights at the start of the podcast instead of a cold start. Uh, I come, I'm kind of into that. We do have some uh poker out loud hands from the hundredth episode we could do a little bit more of that maybe in the future yeah that sounds pretty good yeah it's just more work for guapo yeah, I mean, yeah. that's fine what else <laughs> it's, not, it's not like we're paying him <laughs> i work for free yeah. <laughs> fucking works for tortillas and, oh. and prop bets <laughs> <laughs> why he loses all the prop bets <laughs> he's, he's in a fat loss bet right now or uh with with andre they did a prop bet and um he has to get the 16.5%. My best eyeball guess is he's probably like low 20s, like 22 to 24%. And uh, he was typing in the chat today that today's his day one. And Christian was like, you're dead to get the 16.5%. He's like, well, I brush my teeth with tortillas. So. <laughs> it's true. Makes, uh, it, makes it a little bit more difficult. I actually had one of the worst prop bets I think I ever made with... Uh, Connie during the series. Wow. <laughs> How do you lose a prop bet to Conrad? What are you talking about? Shut I up. never lose prop bets. Oh you swear, God. you take the fucking most like absurd side. You always say I lose prop bets. You always say this. I don't lose prop bets. Well, the thing is, if you lose, if you lost one to Berkey, then, don't, you, then, you, I, then I, you're I, just. Don't do that. Which one? <laughs> don't do that. Wait, wait, wait. Which one no, did I, mean, I lose to Berkey? No. no, no, don't do that. He, he makes asinine statements. That are what? so are far you, from oh, truth. What prop bet did I lose? And then somebody says, mm -hmm. okay, bet me. And he starts walking everything back. Wait, what prop bet? That he does. He Guys. just moonwalks his way out of a, a difficult situation. <laughs> this oh is a Christian God. thing that you're talking about, no, first of all. Christian just loses them. Um, and pays. Anyway. Two things you don't do. Christian just tries to get I don't lose prop bets. Price. You're right. <laughs> Wait, I want to know what prop bet I lost to you. No, you uh, won. During... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's my point. Is this me, Connie? Yeah. This is uh, how many runners in the millimaker. You remember that? Oh, oh yeah. That was a good one. What yeah, that, yeah. you took the... Oh, man. What did you say? You were on the wrong side of that one, Guapo. I'd, I'd rather not say because I was <laughs> way off. Oh, he said there was going to be like 150000 No, he said first was going to be like $2 million or something. Yeah, it was something yeah. like that. I mean, that wasn't That's that far was. off. No, it was off. That was like one point five. No, four? I think in it was the like what? seven. Millionaire the Millimaker. Wait, it wasn't the Millimaker then. No, it, w it wasn't the Millimaker. It was something else. The, it was the housewarming. The housewarming. Yeah. The housewarming. Oh, okay, or, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah he said first it's going to be like two million. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. $100. <laughs> well, it was almost a million. <laughs> it was like seven fifty. <laughs> yeah. That's not fair. He didn't know about the golden ratio. He didn't. Okay. Like, oh, golden ratio. There is a prize structure that first could have been two million. Yeah, and yeah, when add, I take all. add like another million <laughs> to first. <laughs> he just didn't know about the ratio, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, ratios are tough. What are you going to do? So should we talk sports ball? Yeah. No, <laughs> no the Pirates are off today. We Wait, can't. forget the Pirates. Albert Pujols is about to like close in on 700 home runs, and people don't think he can do it in, in 35 days. I mean, he needs, he needs, he needs seven, nine. He, he needs seven. seven or seven or six. I think he might've hit one the other day. So I think he needs six now. Uh, if he gets pitched to, I think he'll do it. And he's, he's pretty, pretty old in his career. I'm sure nobody's pitching around. Albert there, Pools at this point. There's actually a, a decent chance <laughs> that he might do it in Pittsburgh. 
mm. which would be just so fitting because he just crushed yeah. Pirates for how many years? Yeah, but, yeah. but like they played them at PNC Park, I think mid September, mid to late September. So like, there's a good chance that like he'll be right around that. that yeah, number. he's for sure retired after this year, right? Um, if well, it depends. If I thought that at, was like the whole reason he went to the All Star game. I think, I think if he ends at uh, at six ninety nine, he might come back. Well, that's the thing. That's <laughs> what they were saying. Like, does he come back for another year? Of course, why not? I mean, he's just he doesn't have to play the whole year. Just hit the home run and then retire. He's a designated hitter. So he's Pool, just like Pujols is old in is old. in in American terms, like. <laughs> You know, how old, you know how old he is with that fake ass birth certificate? Yeah, he might be like sixty-five. This dude is in his fifties. What does it say on paper? Like 38, 39? 43, I think. No, he's in his thirties. Well, don't you know me? You know how old Bonds was? Uh, his final season. How old? I, I think he was. I think he was forty-three. Um, he's forty-two years old. Birthday January sixteenth, nineteen eighty. Sound familiar? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 81. Well, that's, I mean. I thought he was, I, for some reason, I thought he was younger. He's definitely was. older than that. Like, he, he was at the prime time of, like, coming over and, you know, changing birth certificates. <laughs> um, okay, hold on. I need to do some math. 58, 48. Uh, minus. Okay. Yeah, so he was, he was 43 his final season. Bonds? Yeah. Do you know what his stats, like, do, do you even have a ballpark guess, like, what his stats were? He crushed it. Yeah, he yeah. absolutely crushed I think he hit, like, 320 and, like, had, like, 40 or 50 home runs and something <laughs> stupid. So he got hurt in 05. Uh, only played 14 games. Came back in 2006. And uh, why is his batting average not being shown? Uh-huh. Let, me, let me go to another. Okay. So he came back in 2006. Hit... Uh, why do they make it so hard to find batting averages if it's not like a reasonable stat to care about? Isn't it? Okay, he hit 270 in 2006 with <laughs> this is just silly. Uh, wait, okay, there it is. 115 walks, um, and 26 home runs. That's at 42. That's at 43, good. he hits. 28 home runs, bats 276, and walks another 132 times. And then didn't get a job the following season. Well, I think it wasn't because No, he got blackballed, obviously. (laughs) Steroids are a hell of a drug, man. Obviously, obviously he got blackballed. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, bro, he won the MVP. His final MVP award was in 2004 before he got hurt. Wow. The year before he got hurt. 39? 40. 40 years old when he won his last MVP. Like, <laughs> How many I mean, have? they intentionally seven. walked him. Buck Showalter intentionally walked him with, with the, the bases, bases loaded. loaded. And it worked out. <laughs> and it he, worked out, yeah. He has seven MVPs and was literally robbed by Terry Pendleton in 92, I think. Yeah, 92. How does um, baseball work? For the Pirates? He won in 91. How does uh, baseball work? It's NL and AL? Yeah, okay. it's two, okay. two each. Oh, you're right. He won it in 90 and 92. Uh... Well, 90, 92, 93, 94. No. 90, 92, 93. And in 91, he got runner-up to Pendleton, which wow. was just an absolute snow job. Well, um, you know, let somebody else win it once in a while. It's, yeah. <laughs> his, his stats are disgusting. Did he ever win it with Pittsburgh? Yeah, twice. 
1992. And then got robbed in 91. Gotcha. Easily should have won it three times in a row. They also should have went to the World Series at least twice. But I digress. <sighs> my child, oh man, uh, one tear, one single tear streamed down my face when Sid Brim, Sid Bream double-crossed us and scored on that fucking base hit the left can't, field. I can't relive it again. I think, <laughs> look, I'm going to say something that I think is true, but it may be a little controversial. He was fucking out. Close. People don't, people don't know that it was close. It, Everybody talks about, like, oh, Bonds had a wet noodle for an arm and, like, you know, didn't really. He made a terrible throw. Did he? He should have been thrown out. Look, look, Sid Bream had the big-ass brace on his knee. Yeah, but, like, he's running, cr- he's running on he contact. Was, yeah, he was just, man. I don't know. I'm just saying, man, he was out. If That's, the throw was online, he'd have definitely been out. Yeah, yeah. It was it was up the first baseline a bit. Yeah. You're right. But it would have been interesting if they had replay back then. Who knows? It might have been a different story. Pirates are in the fucking world. Look at this old ass bum. Look, he's oh out. Oh my god. He's it's fucking so out, close. man. It's so close. He's fucking out. Yeah, so he needs seven more home runs. Uh he does it. He does it? I think he does it. Seven Fair. in a month? Yeah, he definitely plays like every game, right? Plays every game. He's DH. He's gonna get pitched to. Like he's not the biggest threat in that Cardinals lineup mm-hmm. by any stretch. Are they? Right. Are they in a playoff hunt? Yeah, yes, they're in first place. Definitely. They, of course they are. They have fucking. They're no, in first place. When are they ever not? They, well, they, um, they made a big um, splash this last in the last year. They got fucking Nolan Ariando, whatever, no, the third baseman from the Rockies. Nolan um, Arenado. Yeah. And um, I mean, Goldschmidt is just crushing it. Yeah. He's so good. And then they got some good pitching. They got the, they got the pitcher from. Um, Montgomery from uh, the Yankees. Yo, it's so fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, Cashman? Like, yeah, okay, he, he hasn't pitched the greatest, but he hasn't also pitched the worst. Right. And we are looking for pitchers. starting pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> so we away. get rid of Montgomery, which is kind of <laughs> relatively young. Yeah. We get Montez. You know, we could have kept them both. Yeah. Montgomery was actually... he had, He's, he's going to be a starter in, in the uh, in the three-game series that they'll probably play against probably San Diego 100% right now. 100% going to be a starter. Yeah. It's absurd. So do you know how the playoffs work this year? No. So um, there's more wildcard teams. There's three wildcard teams and um, four – or no, th- so three – Three division three, winners. Three division winners and three wildcard teams. Oh, so the, it's like the NFL playoffs. So the, the, the – well, sort of, yeah. Formerly. The, yeah, formerly. So the top two get a bye – and then, um, and then the 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 middle or the three first, plays six. Yeah, three plays six. Four and plays four, five. Four, yeah, and they play. It's a three game series. Okay. All, all at home. All all at like the so yeah like, yeah. So whoever like has the Cardinals. Home yeah, whoever yeah. has home field, they play all three there. So there's no traveling. I like that. I like it a lot. Yeah. Ooh, that's huge. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is fucking huge. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. It'll definitely be fun to watch. It's a three game series. Boom, boom, boom. It'll probably they'll probably be played like. Back to back to back nights. I kind of like that. Um, they don't switch home and away. Yeah, it's because like other than well, the for a three game set, it's for th- that's why they, that's why they they like never wanted that's to true. like expand the wild card game beyond one game. They're like, oh, there's too much travel and there's this and that, and they're like, well, it's just whoever has the home field advantage, just you, that's where you play. Yeah, especially for a wild card, like you don't really deserve. Yeah. Uh, a game at home. Right, exactly. Whenever you're not technically like a, a part of the division right. leader. And if you win your division, you're going to get those three games at home. So, Melissa, you could have called in instead of uh, typing into the chat how much you hate sports ball. Like, you, yeah. don't, you don't get to do this from afar. <laughs> okay? 
Okay, like had you had yeah. you been a part of this show today, mm -hmm. you right. could have suggested an yeah. alternative here. Yeah. Now you're just talking about ending it in the chat mm -hmm. and like you're not even giving details as to how we could have we like, could have talked about your fake account on Twitter. Right. We could have talked about your fake account today. We could have talked about how we're always late thirty minutes because of your fucking makeup deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah she, all the things you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's working, and by working she means waiting to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're fucking working, okay? Yeah. That's what's going on here. He said the chat made a suicide pact. And we're, I'm kind of upset because we're not in it. And if we were, we'd just go baseball all day, right? Well, I was going to say, once, once they're gone, we won't have anybody else yeah. complaining about us talking about baseball. We're going to change the intro from, uh, we're going to change the intro, intro from something, uh, this, is, this is for the nerds to, we're talking baseball. <laughs> Put me the in. Duke. And the Duke. Uh, oh, man, there's a, there, there's a. A nice playlist out there of baseball songs. Yeah, we can't sing them all because they'll probably take us down. Yeah, probably. I mean, with how close to the reenactments we are. Yeah. Uh, a lot of songs, like, have affiliations to sports specifically, in spite of the fact that that wasn't where, like, uh, Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days yeah. is just a baseball song. Oh, for sure. Through and through. 100%. It's, I've never listened to it mm -hmm. in any other setting except for at a ballpark. Yeah. I, I think that that's very true. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Coach Oberdorf made uh, Won't Back Down. A sports song for us. Right. Sure. Because <laughs> uh, he used to play that on the way games on repeat in the bus the whole yeah. way. Uh, uh, I feel like Don't Stop Believing is a hockey song. No. I mean, it's, it's, it's a mm -hmm. song for the people, really. But We uh, are the champions, sport, obviously. Sports-wise, I feel like yeah. I hear it in hockey games a lot. Really? Yeah, specifically um, Detroit Red Wing games. I could be wrong. What do you mean? They were always fucking winning every game. They didn't have to believe in anything. <laughs> the time you're talking about, they Not didn't anymore, fucking man. lose a game. Bro, fucking Geisermen and all these people. <laughs> yeah, they used to be great. For the last 15 years, oh, they've they, been the joke of the league. Nah, that's for sure. Um, I, don't, I don't know where I was going with that, to be honest. I, I lost my train of thought. I'm still irate at Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how that's a uh, hockey song, and I'm trying to put it into another sport. It's just an arena song. Really, like mm -hmm. it doesn't doesn't play as well at like an NFL. No, I field, agree there. You know? It definitely doesn't play. Yeah. Football. That's where you need Renegade. Yes. Yeah. Doesn't know. play basketball. Old sticks. Oh, mama. No, I don't even know what you're doing. Don't ruin that song for me, Bergy. Don't ruin that. Yo, have you? You guys don't watch basketball. I know that. But did you know fucking Kevin Durant requested a trade like two months ago? Yes. Okay, so the odds for the Brooklyn um, to win the championship were minus 4,000 when he requested the trade. Not minus 4,000. Mi no. Minus 40. Whatever. Plus 4,000. Four, plus plus 4,000. Okay. Yeah, sorry. That. This is why you're a terrible prop better. <laughs> don't fucking tell me otherwise. <laughs> what? You don't no, even know which way listen, lines go. Li no, that's obviously not true, you Riri. Mm. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so they're plus 4,000 to win the championship. And yesterday, they decided that they're not going anywhere. Durant's not leaving. Irvin's not leaving. And now they're like 7-2 to two to win. Jeez. That's, well, I mean, that, those that's, two guys are really good at basketball. Yeah. Well, they didn't leave the team, and the odds just fucking completely went the other way. It that happens, like, though. That, <laughs> that happens in, like, with, like rumors... Or like they say, how, how are you able to decipher what the fuck he's talking about? He just had them at minus four thousand, 
and now all of a sudden they're no. three to two. Because no. he understands no, no, no. what I'm saying. I know what he's saying. He's saying that like it's crazy how much the odds swung by just the rumor of Durant leaving. But right. Yes. We swung in which direction? They're they're more favored. Well, they're, they're more favored. Which, which direction do you so think it was? They were like, yeah, right? exactly. they're so, more favored now. Now now that they, well, they, they are going to They stay. literally they went from like 9 to 2 to my uh plus 4000 to back to 7 to 2. Or yeah, whatever. Was. Okay, yes. So they're a bigger favorite now. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cuz they're both locked in. I don't understand why this is shocking news. They're both very good at basketball. Well, he, the, shock, the, the shocking news the is that, that, is that rumor did just, it. they weren't off the team. It was just a rumor that they might be off the team shot the, the uh, odds like, way up. Well, like just saying he they wanted weren't rumors. Tra- they uh, both yeah. wanted fucking saying out. Saying that they wanted yeah. a trade just shot him way up, and like it didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Like, the, the, like, the Nets still had control of them. Right. So anybody that was sharp enough to know that still be on the team, you know, made those bets and, and is killing it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that's – yeah, I understand what you're saying. There, there was an opportunity, but they're they're not killing it if it went from nine to two to seven to two. Like, yeah, no. there's there's an arbitrage no, opportunity. No, there. no, they got it when it was plus four, plus uh, four thousand. Like in July when they didn't leave forty to one, right? It went it went right. from nine to forty to one. It's just okay. like, yeah. I, you know what? I can't interpret Conrad. Uh, the fact that you were able to follow that, God bless. I, will, I feel I will, like you like read simple. the same article. I'll be his or translator. Anything you want to know, yeah. what he's saying. You know what? That's you my, just go through me. Go on Twitter for me. <laughs> you set up the coherent Conrad Twitter Listen, account. No, I know when, when you're talking, I know what you're saying. If you're texting something, <laughs> I have no idea. There's like random yeah. symbols in there. There's like a bracket. I don't even know how you get the bracket in there at one time. I'm like, you have to click like three different things to get to the bracket. It's like, that's in the middle of a word. Oh. You, you know what it really is? He just like has some weird incoherency when it comes to numbers. Like he starts to work them into actual words. Yeah. And like that whole fucking jumble mm-hmm. mess that he just tried to spit out was nonsense. <laughs> he literally just like stroked out and said 12 different numbers and when, tried to get a point the, across. When you, when you say I flopped the straight, do you put eight in the middle of the word? Yes. <laughs> S-T-R-8. Of course. Well, I don't, you know, I don't type anything. I swipe everything. <laughs> I swipe also. These are not issues for me. I, no, I right. get incorrect words sometimes. Well, like LMA9 came from LMA. Oh, right. Yeah, but and how then, do you get to nine? Because right. the nine is right above the no, O. No, no, In his, no. On his what do you phone fucking it is. mean? I don't care. Right. You don't know. The, 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 the swipe to text mechanism LM- is never going to put the nine in there. <laughs> That's the whole purpose of the swipe to text. It's predictive texting. There's no no LMA9 word, Conrad. It comes up. What do you want me to tell you? Because Uh you type it all the fucking time. I mean, yeah, I definitely well, it probably typed it as well. Because now that it's become... Well, no, 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 no. I probably typed it as well. Because like, right. even if I was ever typing LMAO, nine's right above it. Of course, I'm going to fucking hit it and not change so it. We, I don't care. Right. <laughs> so, so now when something's funny in the chat, we just type LMA9 just because it's funny. And now my phone just like autocorrects to that. Melissa says, sometimes Conrad starts a thought and then finishes by walking out the door mumbling. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah. Hey, quick shout out to chat. Uh, Paul Lindenfeld wants to know if there's closed Conrad captioning. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, that's CCC. I, I mean, I don't know who is going to take on that job. That's a big job. I, I also don't even know who's qualified to take on that job, to be honest. Like, we've all been friends with this guy for years. I don't know what the fuck he's saying. I think... Do you? Only one person, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> deciphers my text. Who? Melissa. Mm-hmm. She's the, she always deciphers it in the fucking group chat. 
Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, you know. No, nobody else. Look alike, talk alike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys are real kindred spirits. Yeah. Uh, about to interview Chance. Why is Chance there? Give, it, give a, us the tea, Melissa. You got going an on? invite and you didn't, man. You got that's an invite what, from Helmut? That's what fucking happened. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll, before we get to Hustler and uh, Live at the Bike, let's talk, let's talk <laughs> Triton for a second. Wow. This fucking hand. All right. You guys don't know Rui like I know Rui. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> is his Rui name Cal- Rui or is his name I don't give a fuck? It's both. <laughs> Uh, he does not get well particularly against so here's the thing oh, I, I got to play with Rui in like his uh, actually roll the clip so everybody in the audience knows who Rui is okay we just seven deuce 10k just seven deuce okay okay okay, okay. seven, seven deuce 10k. 10k okay seven deuce 10k 15 minutes later uh, wow, it's I would have thought, thought you had people want to become like me businessman yeah, yeah, yeah. a title of course of course 30k seabed from Rui Cal. A raise to 126,000 euro with seven deuce ready to show everyone. Play against. Oh my god. He's calling with eight high. He doesn't have anything. I don't understand. And the turn is an ace. You have about 500. 400,000 behind. About two, a bit less than three, four. Four. 400. Oh my, he's reaching for <laughs> chips. Hmm? Yeah. Half pot bet. And Rui Cal calls him 8 7 high, <laughs> thinking that Tom has got nothing and he's going to steal it from him. Can Tom fire one more time? He gives up. This is the craziest hand I've ever seen. He goes all in. <laughs> You're seven, right? Yeah. Why did you check then? You because he snap called me if I show him. Let's go. You show my card. No, I'm doing You show me. I swear to God, I called. No, I'm convinced that's true. I believe him. Yeah. I am 100% convinced that he said this man has seven deuce. Anything he bets river, I call. That was the first time me seeing this hand, and that yeah. was fucking great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So Rui's a maniac, if that's, <laughs> not, if that's not obvious uh, at this point. Very creative individual, uh, likes to get in the streets. Uh, I battled with him a lot in 2014, 2015-ish era, and it was... You know, we could be playing a nine-handed game and him and I would largely be playing heads up in a lot of spots. <laughs> uh, he was wild. Uh, just ranges, you know, him and Durr are kindred spirits in a, in, a, in a big way. There was a time, though, um, more recently, where he got pretty good. Like, he kind of tightened up a bit. His ranges seemed to be a lot more constructed. Every time, so I played with him again, I think it might have been like 2018-ish. Uh, just played kind of solid-ish and made a lot off of his previous image. But it looks like the old Ruby's back. Because that <laughs> hand is some fuck shit. I mean, he's playing against Tom. Like, okay. Maybe he's just like, you, the seven deuce game you, is on. It's fresh in his head. He's yeah. Like, yeah. He has do a seven. Think, he, the man just know. knows. Do you think, now, do you think uh, Tom gave something away? Maybe, maybe the way... I mean, has he played with Tom a lot? Probably, right? Probably, probably yeah. right. So they probably played a lot. So like, maybe something happened where 
Tom just did something a little different than he normally does, or he made his bet size was a little different than in the situation, and it's just like well, that's seven thing, The big thing is, is we it, don't get to see preflop, right? Or or was it just like he you just, know how some people are just like I put you on Ace King? Yeah, was he, it just like I just well, put him on seven deuce and I? I mean, <laughs> that's it. Putting him on seven deuce there isn't that unreasonable because no. when Tom check raises and then barrels again. Uh, he like has an ace or nothing. Right. There isn't very much queen X in that range, but we didn't see pre. So pre is kind of interesting because mm -hmm. they both have trash hands. Mm -hmm. And the assumption is that Tom last aggressed pre, whether that's as an open or a three bet. Right. But he check raised the flop. So that makes me think that he didn't last aggress pre. If he didn't last aggress pre, it's insane to put him on seven deuce. Right. Yeah. If he like defended the big blind, which also seems unlikely because Rui, uh, Rui was right to his left mm -hmm. i doubt he opened out of the gun with eight seven off although stranger things but maybe he did because he's like well if i just flat this he'll never think i have seven deuce and then and then, <laughs> I mean, and then that, play that, super that, aggressive that does happen sometimes but right. like there's no way that rui would then leap to the conclusion of like oh he definitely has seven deuce <laughs> i think i think what's most probable is that it's a blind versus blind spot and uh, tom probably opened the small it is blind, a blind, versus blind well, i'm guessing okay i'm guessing are they next to each other i think so I didn't think there was anybody in between them. Okay. okay. Uh, just the dealer. I, I thought that they were the one and the eight. Makes gotcha. sense. But I could be wrong. If there's a person in between, then I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I mean, it could be like a small blind versus straddle situation. But my best guess is that yeah. somehow this is a battle with the blinds. And Tom aggressed pre and then went for the check raise on the flop. And, you know, that kind of signals a little bit of seven douche mm -hmm. deuce-ish. Because, like, you're not check raising sets really on ace, queen, X. You're not really check raising right. top yeah. two. You that's really just saying. don't check raise. That's, that's what I'm bet. saying. Like he's just he just did something that out of the ordinary, and and he's just like that must be seven deuce, and he just went for it. They yeah. had just put the seven deuce game on fifteen. What I what I want to know is head. why why did he uh, <laughs> jam river? Why didn't he? You mean why did why did oh, he why jam? did Rui? Yeah, if he if he thought he had seven deuce, because he's, he he's full shit. <laughs> well, just in case as like, well. Yeah, I mean. Tom yeah. will have like some king ten, king jack That's as true. bluffs that yeah, give yeah, up yeah. and then yeah. have to make a weird spot. Right. He'll also have like right. you know, some ten basically hands that beat eight seven that we're bluffing. And usually and if Tom has a hand to call, once he checks river, he's not I mean, if, probably not check calling there very he often. He doesn't have I don't think that check is very protected. Right. Um, There's none of them. That's just based off the SPR being one point two five on the turn. Right. When you come with half pot there on the turn, mm -hmm. you're basically set up for like a sixty six percent pot jam on river. Yeah. So when you check rivers, this looks like a give up. It's yeah, just I like, mean, well, could, I might as well just jam. It could be a hand like king queen, I guess. Yeah. It could be maybe a bad ace. Yeah. Like if he has like ace five suited mm -hmm. and decides to take this line, although that would be <laughs> quite strange. Uh you're just in a spot to to get paid and or get over tripped. Um yeah, I don't know. I it, honestly, it's tough not knowing the preflop action to do like true analysis on this. But even with that said, uh, the hand's obviously I mean, a not, fucking nightmare. Nothing, <laughs> nothing about this hand is tortoise approved. No, <laughs> it all starts From with the sides. yeah. It all starts with uh, 10k each for seven deuce. Yeah. You're just like shut the Get fuck out up. I'm out. Wait, that's what you should be saying. Yes. You should be the one to be like, hell yeah, seven deuce, nah. let's go. Call no way. Oh, no, because no then I have to get out of my ranges, which is... He doesn't no. want to add seven deuce to yeah, anything. He doesn't on. have to add seven deuce. Just play aces and get paid by seven deuce. Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah. You true. get dealt aces way more than seven deuce. I forgot. Yeah. I mean, sometimes. Ace king, get <laughs> Some, Sometimes you do. You can just get it in a little bit lighter. This fucking dumb dumb. Six combos and 16. This dumb dumb. <laughs> Wait. Anytime you V-pip, you want action. 
Seven Deuce game is on, True. you'll get some more action. You get, you know what you do? Yeah, get, but you, you pay. Get, you, you have get, to pay off all these bounties. You get aces, kings, uh, and queens more than you get seven deuce. It's true. That part's true. It's true. <laughs> they also get aces, kings, and queens as much uh, as you, though. They do. Uh, yeah, the problem is that you have to keep fucking paying the bounty. Yeah. And it's not, honestly, the seven deuce game doesn't do what people think it does. Um, it, it's, it's really good in a game where, uh, like, it's, good to, it's a good addition in a game where people are, are already good. Like where ranges are pretty solid mm -hmm. because they already have bluff ranges. But the last thing you want to do in a rec lineup like is a add the seven, game. Yeah, is add yeah. the seven deuce game because now a bunch of people who have absolutely no ability to bluff whatsoever suddenly are fed a sixteen so, candidate bluff. or a sixteen combination yeah. bluff mm -hmm. candidate. Yeah, and like they just have no choice but to go off. Yeah, which segues me into my next point. Let's talk about Nick Fertucci. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. I, I'm, I'm kidding, uh, but uh, I listened to his podcast that came out yesterday. By the way, I think that um, so far, I, I've listened to the Garrett one and then obviously the piece mm -hmm. yesterday where they spoke a little bit about me. Uh, Garrett's always a fucking great interview. Of course. So, like, that's a can't miss for your first guest. Um, it seems like him and Veronica have pretty good rapport. Hopefully that continues on and uh, we get some good content out of them. But yesterday uh, they were discussing poker beefs and Veronica led the witness a bit and uh, basically brought up this or rehashed this old quote unquote beef that Nick and I had from like 2017. Speaking of drama, do you have any drama like with any poker players? Me? Yeah, because I no? seem to remember that there was maybe some drama between you and Berkey back in the day. <laughs> You're such an asshole. Uh, like five or six years ago or four something. Yeah. Yeah. There was, so there was what some... happened? <laughs> You like to surprise we me. We want to know. You like I, to surprise me with this shit. I know the people watching right now. Sure. And me. It's so boring, but I'll, I'll tell at. you. No, I'll tell you. Well, first of all, let me say this. Looking back now in the rear view, if I have to put a percentage on it, I would say I'm 85% in the wrong on that one. Wow. Yeah, I know. Weird, right? Very weird. Never I wrong. Didn't know nice looking set. Very, uh, very Rogan-esque. It is nice, yeah. Very it's clean. Yeah, like some rich mahogany mm -hmm. is in that in that room, yeah. No, they do, uh, honestly, what, what I'm most envious of that set isn't really the design or anything like that. It's the fact that uh, they do have an established single shot that they can use for the thumbnail every day, which is really nice because we make Melissa basically do the Lord's work every single day of like, okay, what's the thumb going to be today? Mm -hmm. and like she has to pull clips and stuff. But anyway, um, what Nick was referencing there was uh, 2017, 2018, somewhere around there, the first million dollar cash game on Live at the Bike. We played this hand where, uh, you know, I got in the mix with the Jack 7 suited. He three bet me. His three bet percentage back then was like, you know, two. Uh, <laughs> and never not a good hand. It was always just like Kings plus maybe some Ace King. Chose a small size. I decide to take a flop. We see uh, a 998 board and I just go for it. Um, so what ultimately came of that, that he kind of referenced, was uh, this inherent, uh, or, or maybe not inherent, but like this public spat between he and I because of one single thing that maybe I didn't consider when I agreed to. So Poker News hit me up. After the, the show had aired, and like that was one of the highlight hands. Uh, and at this point, I had said 
literally nothing about it. Like there were no interviews on live at the bike or anything along those lines. So like it just happened and we went on our merry way. So like a few days later, poker news hit me up and they were like, Hey, um, we were thinking about doing, or, or like covering this hand. Would you mind giving a breakdown from your perspective? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, we have this whole training business, uh, just <laughs> around, maybe I'll, uh, do a quick minute, like minute or two on the hand. And so I did, I basically, uh, Gave my commentary over, and they they like laid it over the hand. Uh, I think we actually have that clip right now for to let you guys in on what the hand was and what I ultimately said in the video. Kings, queens, and an overpair. Yeah, that's, that's a nice oh, that's and Matt goes all in for forty five thousand seven hundred, and he says he has a nine in his. After a very long, torturous tank, Nick finally lets me off the hook and uh, does muck his hand. I don't think he really did anything wrong uh, in, in this hand um, other than maybe c-betting the flop. I think that it's going to be very difficult for him to get three streets of value from any real hands in my range. And when I do possess a nine or do decide to bluff, he gets kind of positioned into a really challenging spot where he just has to hold on for three streets with the top of his range. Now, that being said, I probably am over bluffing compared to the field. So he probably could just call with aces on the end. But it's a, it's a big decision. It's $45,000. That's 200-plus big blinds on one street of poker. It's not common for one pair to be just stacking off at that, at that rate. I mean, I thought it was a fascinating hand. I thought it was a really good spot for me to run this line, even though I didn't necessarily have the best hand candidate to do so. And I'm really happy and fortunate that it got through. After a very long, so torturous tank... That was, that was the only... Uh, so <laughs> I need to give a little a little context. Uh, in Nick's interview, he went on and said like Berkey did all these all these interviews and like videos and stuff like that. That was the only thing that went out. And uh, I understand now in retrospect that he got a little sore about it. By the way, uh, I appreciate him saying that like he was eighty five percent in the wrong. I also agree that like wasn't in the best taste. You did say that he did nothing wrong in the hand. Yeah, I was very diplomatic. Look, I, you want my honest truth now? Five years later, you played the hand like fucking shit, man. <laughs> Like, let's, let's be real. Like, that was the most diplomatic review that, like, you want to talk about not tapping the glass. You just saw it. Like, that was, here's how you can play with poker a little bit better without actually upsetting the fish. And I, I truly did upset him. So in that regard, like, uh, I'm sorry that, you know, I, I made him feel a certain way about it and, and that it escalated into a beef. But I'm glad that, like, you know, in retrospect, he's a much better player now. We've come a long way, and we can kind of joke about this. But, like, yeah, of course, like, he folded aces. That's the best hand he'll ever have there, especially if he's not three betting hands, like, 9-10 suited and ace-9 suited, which at the time, he probably wasn't. Now, he's a different player now. I wouldn't take the same line, and I do think he plays a much more well-rounded game, so, like, that's neither here nor there. They call him Nit Tucci. He's not three betting <laughs> fucking 9-10 or ace-10 suited. Nah, yeah, but he's a 2022 Nit, not not a 2018 Nit. It's different, mm -hmm. man. 2018 yeah. Nits only VPIP 3%. That's true. 2022 Nits, you know, they've looked at a chart. And they, right. they just, like, find those little edges. and Exhibit A. Yeah. He plays tortoise style. <laughs> right. Nick, you're in great company. You play, like, the fucking tortoise yeah, here. You, you know? guys might be the biggest we winners in, in the room. Listen, this is what I do. I just, I, I think, what would the, what, what should I open here? And then if, if it's, like, close, then I just open. <laughs> do you, though? Nah, fuck no. I if it's no, close, he's like, nah, you no, know what? I can pick it better. Right, no, because if, no, if I think it's close in my head, then mm. it's definitely an open. That's probably true. Mm. That's probably, oh, I see what you're that's saying. Right? That's level yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the, the opening parts probably aren't that difficult. It's the three bets. I'm getting better. It's a, it's a lot of like, <laughs> well, this hand's nice. I think I'm just going to watch fucking Brian play. There I go. Look 50. at me go. <laughs> I think I'm just going to watch Brian play on WSOP tonight. Yeah, he should. <laughs> but yeah, we're basically making a story out of nothing. This literally was a huge nothing burger. Uh, it's just kind of comical to revisit. Um, and, you know, it is a little bit of nostalgia for the, the good old days when uh, it was easy to get into these high stakes cash games. And, you know, you can find a couple situations where you're doing something that is completely against theory based off of uh, a player pool read that you have or... Uh, you know, having some level of uh, experience with that specific person. Like, I miss that version of poker. History. They have history. We didn't really have that much. We had only no. played once together before, but he played a lot. I know, but remember when that was and a I thing? Watched. It was just like, well, they have history, so they. this is why the hand played this way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, I mean, to be fair, like, we didn't personally have history, but I watched him play a lot, and yeah. I'm sure he watched me play a lot. Right. So, like, that influences that action a lot, where mm -hmm. it's like, I'm. I understand, or I think... That he doesn't have a nine here ever and he understands or thinks that like i'm playing any two so i have all the fucking nine. and he's not wrong mm -hmm. i jack seven like yeah. jack nines in there nine eights in there nine sevens like i definitely have a lot of nines and you can't exploitively fold aces versus that type of player type um but yeah like that's fun that that's the wits and wager version of this game like I think, and I kind of want to lean into this discussion now uh I think that's like a lot of what the live streams are trying to replicate. And it's very difficult because people who are willing to play for big money are generally going to be relatively studied. They're going to be intelligent and they're not going to be willing to give an inch when it comes to turning the game into uh, this, this battle of wits and wagers or th this ultimate game of chicken, right? Um, and it fascinates me because we're seeing this, like this open sourcing of live streams kind of emerge, right? Poker goes behind the paywall. Uh, you either watch it or you don't, and that's just dependent upon like your demographic and you know how likely you are to have a subscription and how interested you are in highly produced, um, you know, manufactured lineups. Right? right? Total different subsection of the audience than the YouTube audience, which specifically I think the two biggest channels right now are Hustler Live and Live at the Bike. They're competing for the the same eyes. I would say I would actually throw Triton in there as well. Um, they're not consistent as, as the other two streams. I think Live at the Bike is running three you days a, a week. get a few more now. hands like the one we just saw. And right. And some more <laughs> people in there. Right. <laughs> Crazy ass shit. Uh, so I think that, um, I think that Triton is less consistent because they're just operating like based off of their tour stops. So you might only get maybe, I don't know, call it 20 streams a year as opposed to the bike that is putting out, I guess, somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 and then Hustler, which is putting out probably 250. Five. They're doing like four a week, right? Five. Five oh. a week. Yeah. They're Monday through Friday. I think the bike is Wednesday through Friday. Um, but they've been dark a little bit since the, the new regime. So, yeah, like 100, 150 streams a year for Live at the Bike, probably 250-ish mm -hmm. uh, for Hustler. That's a lot of volume to be cranking out. So, you know, from a viewer standpoint, now it becomes a matter of, well, what do we prioritize? when uh, it comes to engaging with these streams, when it comes to being a loyal fan. And, you know, we can kind of uh, even extrapolate this out into the podcast. Like, what keeps the core audience there day in and day out? But then more importantly, how do you bring in new eyeballs? And I have to tell you, it's tough whenever you only have two co-hosts on set with you and they're both buried in their fucking phones right now. 
No, I'm, I'm watching looking, the chat. I'm, I'm actually looking something up here. Conrad <laughs> doesn't even know what room he's in right now. Well, I just, <laughs> I know what you're, what you're leading to with, with the numbers, and yeah. I just wanted to see if they change or not. Oh, yeah. Not by much. <laughs> yeah, Nick says for 500 views versus 14K last night, and I just said, stop tooting your own horn. Mm. <laughs> Fair. Um, but whenever it does come to prioritizing uh, specific things, you know, obviously characters on a podcast will drive the core audience, right? Like uh, the stories that we all can share uh, during downtimes, that'll keep people coming around. I think for Hustler, uh, it's clear that they've set themselves apart in two specific ways, which is the Monday, uh, I can't think of the name. Uh, it's from DQ. DF. No, 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 oh. but it's from D, oh, Max Payne Monday. Max yeah. Payne, yeah. Right, so the Max Payne Monday and uh, the High Stakes Fridays. Those have clearly separated themselves as two marquee weekly events that bring in new eyeballs, right? Mm -hmm. So these are going to be your acquisition. Th this is your acquisition model. One is a very high stakes game. The other one is kind of like what we were talking about where it's more of a game of chicken. People are just playing the player a lot more. It's not really a lineup full of GTO wizards or anything along those lines. Um, and more there's a, a fun atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun atmosphere, but it's still high enough stakes where it matters. Yeah. Uh, and then the fill-in days, the Tuesdays through Thursdays, are, are just going to be a lot of retention, right? So it's going to be putting on streams for those who care to have some poker to consume on the daily. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's a tough ask for guys like Ryan who are building streams and guys like Wayne because uh, you have to keep players from going broke and then you have to have a deep enough roster that when players do go broke, you have somebody to fill in, right? Um, and honestly... This, this shows how out of touch I am. I'm not even positive that Hustler runs Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, I, know, I know they have a Wednesday stream. I'm pretty sure they definitely have a Tuesday stream because I think it has like lower numbers. Yeah, Nick, you can confirm if you're still in the chat if you guys are five days a week or three days a week. Um, but uh, I'm, I, I honestly don't know off the top of my head. In, in any event, it's not really important. What I'm trying to arrive at at the bigger picture goal of these productions is that we have to understand that it's not, it's not corollary to a televised product right it's not corollary to even sport because no sport is going to put out uh a five day a week product from one specific entity right like even mm -hmm. in baseball where they're playing pretty regularly they're getting more than two days a week off I no think. uh yeah no. maybe you're, maybe you're right one sometimes none they never get two off in one. yeah you might be everybody's right. saying five days a week Okay, so yeah, maybe baseball is like the only real parallel, um, but they have like such a massive undertaking with their season. Uh, and even then, it's like you're still going to have national games where you're blacked out and you know, your local audience is, isn't always going to consume through the same channel. So it becomes a matter then of, of if we want to grow uh, as a community as a whole, and then each individual, like, or each individual stream house, such as Live at the Bike, uh, Hustler, and then when you start to get into the somewhat smaller streams, like the Lodge in Texas, TCH, um, pretty much everything else is coming out of Texas. I, I can't think of anywhere specific that... Only Texas. Yeah, like... Texas and LA, that's it. Florida, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing really on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, the California streams have shut down since Stone's left. Yeah. Uh, WPT, I guess, does like one-off events. Yeah. Um, yeah. But difficult, you know, they partner with Hustler for some of them. It's difficult to really see where it comes i guess like triton would be a good example of a one-off type of event but that's math that you know that's poker go productions basically um when we're talking about these dailies though where the competition is high and the audience is seemingly stagnant what can we prioritize to now bring in new eyeballs because 
I think that the old template of just get poker characters that are willing to play high stakes dies on this daily show type of uh, we're we're much closer to melding together a podcast and a poker show than we are melding together like a uh weekly sitcom and a poker show which is what high stakes poker was what Mm um poker after dark was like these highly produced shows that um were edited down same thing with wsop edited way down to a consumer-based product that came out in some sort of timely fashion we're not there anymore like 2022 we are binge watching everything people are tuning in for the full eight hours uh i don't think retention is at all an issue like you don't lose your audience right like they come and they stay it's an acquisition issue and uh i think this week of hustler kind of like creating this small beef with live at the bike and pitting their product up against one another i think it's great for market growth i think it's great like i think competition breeds um improvements yeah of course but what i haven't really taken away yet what i don't really understand uh on a surface level is why hustler is outperforming nine to one versus live at the bike and there are small things that i can get right like the we we've become a much more con, we we're much more accustomed to hustlers production uh i think collectively the audience has agreed that they just like the aesthetics a lot yeah. better yeah this, that's a lot just better. for context the uh the hustler stream as of now has 158,000 views as opposed to live at the bike which has 21,000 yeah um i i would say a lot of things are better about the there against the live at the bike the commentary being one normally the um the aesthetics definitely and Garrett, hundred percent. Maybe it's just Garrett. Garrett is <laughs> definitely another draw, right? Big, huge draw yeah. guy. Like it's just like they have Garrett. They have um, what's his name? Uh, Wesley. Mm-hmm. Like they're just they're they're like characters. They're just the characters that you need to have this show go on. Like, so in my opinion, and I've always stood pretty firm on this. Uh, I don't think. Well, I, I want to separate this because I. <laughs> I've, I've stood very firm on both of these opinions and I don't want them to uh, look like contradictions because they're not. But number one, I agree with you that character development is paramount in acquiring and retaining an audience. Yep. And I think that Hustler was able to do that mainly because of Garrett. Like they won the war of, of the free agency, if you will. Now Garrett mm-hmm. still plays live at the bike, but like far less frequently, of course. Um, so by acquiring him as the most predominant free agent out there, they naturally already had a baked in storyline yeah. because there's so many uh, offshoots of just having Garrett, right? There's the Garrett Andy dynamic. There's the Garrett Gall dynamic, which, you know, may have disappeared. The Garrett Vertucci dynamic. Uh, there, there's just like a lot that you can already play with. It was already pre-established on Live at the Bike. Yeah, right? he was just in there and all right. LA poker. So like if we, go, if we go all the way back, I think the original model of Live at the Bike did an incredible job of uh, helping Garrett blossom into this beloved live cash character that everybody, you know, basically tunes in weekly to see. Yeah. Uh, there's no other example of this. Well, it's becoming Wesley now too. Like, I, but that's again, that's just all an offshoot of Garrett. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. Everything is always going to be played off of Garrett. If it's just Wesley and Garrett's not in, the numbers are way down. Period. It may not, maybe not way down compared to a lineup that doesn't have either, but way down compared to a lineup that has Garrett. Okay. Right. And if you take a Garrett lineup without Wesley versus a Garrett lineup with Leslie, the numbers aren't up that much. Uh, 
As a matter of fact, I'm not even positive they would be up at all. I think Wesley's growing a lot, and I. Right, but that's like making that's... the same argument for Andy or for Gall or for they don't stand alone. Okay. When when these guys I... go over, so when Andy goes over to live at the bike without Garrett, do you think his their numbers like shoot way up? No. I don't think exactly. I also think there's a huge difference between Andy and um, Wesley. Wesley, who is Wesley's like com, like on Twitter, like saying you know he's talking shit, he's having fun, he's in the game talking shit, he's like pr he's promoting. Yeah, I agree with you. He's, well, Andy hasn't said a word since fucking 2009. No, that's, not, that's not true. Andy has his own YouTube channel that's doing incredibly well. Yeah, like, I'm sure. Like I'm just saying at the table, like he's. That's the whole point I'm trying to arrive at. It, like I I agree with you that Wesley is an incredible. Heel. He plays the secondary character very well. I don't think he leads a show. I don't okay. think anybody on that Hustler lineup right now leads a show. Like, I think Max Payne Mondays are what they are because of the collective lineup, right? Like, DGAF with eight randos would not bring in the same thing as DGAF plus Sashimi plus Margo plus, uh, you know, all the other regulars that are there Monday in, Monday out. So the level of consistency, the expectation of being able to watch this story continue to unfold week in and week out with a cycle of some new characters coming in and out. DQ is sometimes there, sometimes he's not. You know, Sometimes we see uh, other players just make a one-off appearance, like to fill seats or whatever the case may be. That, this is a cast, right? The Monday show is a cast. Mm -hmm. The Friday show is Garrett's. He's the star, period. And they build around that. And ancillary stars... Are, are a byproduct. There are secondary characters, but the Friday shows that lack Garrett definitely do not perform as well. And that just means that like collectively you can have all the secondary stars together and they're not going to equal one Garrett. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's something worth noting. And the whole thing that I'm trying to get at here <laughs> is that though I do think that there is an element like the, the Monday show being a good example uh, of the environment being interesting I think we put too much onus on the whole concept of table talk. Nothing is ever said on a Monday show that, like, I'm just like, wow, so glad they had the mics on for that one. I um, also think you're different than others. Okay. You're, you're definitely going to be, like, like the, the people that are watching, are, I'm pretty sure a lot of them love the table talk. Like, just being, it's like, like you said, it's well, like a podcast. I think that they're conditioned to love the table talk. I think they've been told that's what's entertaining. And there's a reason why it holds water. And I'll get to that in a second. But you say that I'm different, but I, I run a podcast. If something outlandish is said that's newsworthy, I can't wait to jump on it and, and talk about it the next day. Yeah, but that's, that, that never doesn't happens. have to be newsworthy. It's just bullshitting. Like, people love bullshitting. Okay, so... That's why I like our podcast. Yeah, like, people <laughs> right, love bullshitting. If that's happening we're not in playing a, poker. But if that's right, happening no, in a poker right. setting, that's awesome. I, I, that's awesome to a lot of people. I strongly disagree. I understand that you would. I strongly disagree, and I think the reason why the table talk has to carry the load is because the commentary is not Nick and Ali. Yes, and I understand that too, and I was going to say that. But, like... No, there's no but, though. That's, that's how you establish the home run product. Is you <laughs> as important as it is to develop Garrett, if I don't have Garrett, I want Nick and Ali. Yeah. Period. There is no workaround to this. Because you can always develop a cast of characters the way that Hustler Live has done for the Monday shows, right? That Monday show could be muted with Nick and Ali in the booth and it would be the most popular Monday show out there, period. Yeah. There's, there's just no, no doubt about that, it. For sure. Right? Because what we, the, the onus we place on the table talk is a byproduct of lacking commentary. But like we're saying Nick and Ali. Like we're saying the number ones. Like the absolute number ones in the business. Nick and Ali, Norman Lawn, uh, um, Gabe and I 
never remember the other guy's name from high stakes poker. Um, these guys all did the heavy lifting. That's why those shows were so great. It was never reliant upon the table talk. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. It was never reliant on table talk, but like it's people are entertained by this shit. Like it's, it's a soap yes. opera. It's literally a soap opera and you don't. Conrad, need- I, I, I'm not saying to mute the table. Number one. And number two, I'm also not saying that, uh, that it's not fine. I'm saying that if you want true growth, if you want this to be uh, something that brings other outside individuals in, there, look, look, somebody in esports that doesn't I, I, know much about. I already about, agree with that. Like, if yeah. I, I didn't tie the two, because like, if you want to bring outside individuals in direction with the commentary, we'll do that. Well, like, Monday and Friday are your acquisition models, right? For okay. for Hustler and for Live at the Bike, it's Friday. I mean, Nick said Conrad is right, which is weird. Well, yeah. <laughs> of course he's going to say he's right. He's the one that doesn't have the commentary as <laughs> a table talk. But he's, uh, he's also coming from the standpoint of he doesn't have a Nick and Ali to, to plug in there. Awesome. Right? Yeah. So it's like, of course you're going to want to big up the table talk and uh, there's no competition otherwise because Live at the Bike also doesn't have a Nick or Ali. Yeah, from so, the acquisition model, I agree with Right, you. so it's like, okay, if we're talking apples to apples where it's like who has better table talk, Live at the Bike or Hustler, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Right, because that's not going to be the the final uh, deciding factor. That's not why nine to one viewers are watching Hustler over Live the Bike. It's not the table talk. It's the fact that there are people that have been established as characters. Like you have the most well developed characters. And don't get me wrong. Like they did some of that heavy lifting. They did develop Wesley. Right, Wesley uh, could have just been uh, a dud. But like you look at a lot of their other characters, they are duds. You know, but everybody tunes in to watch them. Uh, and I, I don't want to, I don't throw any names under the bus, but like a lot of the recreationals that are good for the game do nothing to add to the table talk. And yesterday was a prime example. They were talking Chinese for the entire show. Yeah, they were. The entire show. Yeah. Garrett didn't say a fucking word because he doesn't speak Mandarin. And they, they <laughs> outpaced Live at the Bike 180,000 views to 20. I'm pretty yeah. sure Garrett, I think the dealer went to go say something and Garrett's like, no, it's okay. <laughs> like, because it was Chinese the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, like, that's a, that's a very clear anecdotal example of um, how little it matters in the long run if you're able to better develop other things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't care about table talk. I'm not saying that you shouldn't highlight table talk or anything of that nature. What I'm saying is that to be, to get outside of what's already been established and to create an acquisition model that is going to grow at a faster pace than, we, than we've seen, it's going to require curating talent at all these spots. You need mm-hmm. a character like Garrett. You need the main character, the player one. You have to have it. You have to have a Nick and Ali in the booth. You just carry have to, the show to carry the show. It, it's it's right. it's as critical as it is having a Garrett. I would even say I would even go so far as to say more critical. And mm-hmm. I know that this isn't a priority to anybody because of what day rates are. Nobody worth their salt would ever agree to do this kind of stuff. And this isn't a shot at Live the Bike or Hustler. Uh, they're money. just prioritizing other things, and rightfully so. Like yeah. they're they're trying to to do what they have to do. But the fact of the matter is like. Uh, it's a it's a really hard job, and there are very few people. Po- I, in my opinion, this is what Poker Go does the best. I think Nick and Ali, I think Brent and uh, Jeff Platt are great great combinations. Mm-hmm. They have Lorm, uh, Norm, Lon, and Jamie for WSOP. Again, an incredible trio. Uh, obviously, a very different different type of content, but also 
that's who we want to be bringing in. Yeah, it's just one str- like the people po- watching. Poker girl makes all the money, like or makes some well, money yeah. to pay people. As where live at the bike, they probably don't make that much. Or like, I agree. And like, I agree. I, of- I'm I'm projecting forward, right? Yeah. Like you you can. Here's the thing. One of these two needs to make a move because uh-huh. Live at the Bike is getting buried by Hustler right now. Yeah. And Hustler very much can just sit on their laurels, right? So <laughs> either Hustler makes a move to ensure that Live at the Bike disappears or Live at the Bike takes on some of these uh, suggestions and attempts to do something that hasn't been done in this space before and tries to now compete, right? But at the end of the day, both are still operating off of this old model that Live at the Bike created all the way back in 2008, when all it took was having an RFID set up with cameras because nobody had ever seen the inside of a cash game before. Yeah, nobody right? else was doing it. Nobody it would, had ever seen anything in real time. It would be interesting to see what the numbers would have been if um, the two streams that ran last night, except Live at the Bike, had Nick and Ali. Right. Right? What, what would the numbers be? Like, what, what would you rather watch? Would you rather watch well, Gary? I mean, honestly, or would you rather watch Nick and Ali? Honestly, and, I don't think Nick and Ali would have pulled that. It wouldn't have made it. I'm talking about hypothetical. It also. It wouldn't have made it even, but it wouldn't have been 20,000 views. And that's the point is that I think Live at the Bike brings in more people if they advertise that Nick and Ali are doing commentary than they do with Phil Hummuth as the headliner. Yes. And that's my main point. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, Phil um, didn't draw draw what they thought he was going to draw. And I think it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you think about Phil, like, Plays tight. Like, people watch him for the blow-ups, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't blow up as much, I think, in cash Bro, games as he does. Did you watch any oh, of this? Okay. No, 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 no. Oh. I'm not saying he blew up. Did you oh. watch any of this? Like. The stream? The Just say live, no. Yeah, it's okay. I, like, you say no, no, like five minutes. Okay. Five, ten minutes, yeah. All you need to know is that this man put together a lineup special for him. Like, literally, is the gatekeeper to who gets to play. Right. 2550. Relatively small stakes for a man who's claiming to be on the path to being a billionaire. Right. He had $1,500 in front of him. Stop. $1,500. Nobody wants to watch this bullshit. Right. That, that's what I'm saying. This he's guy boring. stinks. He doesn't, he, he's not action. He sits very short. Like, people watch these streams for the big pots and the, you know, that. It's not like watching, I think, like, you know, him playing at a final table at a WSOP. People love that. Yeah, of course. There's, love real that. Money. There's real money on the There's line. There's real money on the line. He, it's also he, what he's proven to be and, good at. He's, right, exactly. It's a whole different thing. So that doesn't translate to an eight-hour live cash game stream. Yes. He's, he's not very entertaining uh, over a long duration like that. Mm-hmm. He's certainly uber nitty when it comes to That's how you're going to watch the out. stream and you're going to hardly see him because he's not playing any hands. But, but even, even if he were talking for the whole eight hours, this just doubles down on my fact or, or my point that you can't expect players to run the show, right? Right. Like any good, well-produced show, I don't care what you're talking about, be it sports or mm-hmm. otherwise are the, 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 the goal is never to force the player to be the draw beyond their talent, right? They're, they're not interviewing MLB players while they're at the plate, no. right? And they've experimented with a little bit of this stuff. And don't get me wrong, it's interesting, but it's a one-off segment type of interesting. Yeah, they've been micing people up, which is cool, but it's not... It, it's cool, but it's... It's not why people are right, tuning in. Right. People are tuning in because they love the action of the product. Uh-oh. What? Oh. What's the problem? No, uh, my... Mike, 
my headphones just shut off for a second. We're back. Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the whole stream went down. I got scared. Tortoise moment. Right. So uh, they're tuning in for Joe Buck. They're tuning in for, uh, you know, these, these great commentators throughout the years who have established themselves. And if you look, the greatest, Vin Scully is a part of the Dodgers. Joe Buck was kind of a, a hired gun for national, uh, nationally televised games, right? Like when you look at who the best commentators are throughout the industry of like baseball, football, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be, it's always going to be aligned with the biggest contract, yeah. the biggest televised contract. You know, it's even, even like for, you know, someone like me watches the Pirates, you know, they usually, they have, <laughs> they have uh, Greg Brown, they have Joe Block, right? And Greg Brown's been there for decades. And, and then Joe Block is new. And it's just like, you know, Joe Block's fine. I like him. He's all right. But when he, when he does the, the, the TV broadcast, I'm like, ah, why isn't Greg Brown? Because I want to hear Greg Brown, Same. right? Yeah. So it's just like that holds a lot. Like the game, the whole experience of watching the game is so much better when, when it's Greg Brown compared to. Right. And, and to further that parallel. Sorry, Joe. Uh, to, to further that parallel, they have two former professionals that uh, serve as as the the side commentary. Right. Uh, it used to be Steve Blass and Bob Walk. Now it's Bob Walk and uh, John Wayner. Well, John Wayner, but they also they're bringing in Kevin Young. Um, oh no! Yeah, Operation no, Shutdown. No, no, no. That's that's not no Kevin Young. Not um. Uh, yeah. Who was Operation Shutdown? Kevin Young. No, no, no. Yeah, no. the first baseman. Oh, no. Do you guys yeah. remember Bob oh, Prince? Oh, man. Anyway, yes. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, and Neil Walker, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't know he retired. Um, but anyway, the whole point is uh, it doesn't matter. Like, like, that person doesn't matter to me. Right. If you pair him with the color guy that I don't like, it doesn't matter that I, I do or don't like Bob. Like, I hate Bob Walk, but if he's with Greg Brown, I'm happy with the duo. I love, yeah, them together is great. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I like John Wayner. But if he's with uh, Joe Block, I don't want to listen to the commentary, mm -hmm. right? Because it, it does come down to the person who's doing the most heavy lifting, yeah. right? Now, I think in poker, it's a little bit different because you can play both roles pretty, like if Shulman's in the booth, you can't really fuck that up, right? Right. Like if you pair him with uh, somebody that I don't care uh, that does the play-by-play, the, the it doesn't matter because I'm getting Shulman's analysis. Like in poker, the analysis, the, the, the analyst is worth way more than the play-by-play -play guy. Mm -hmm. um, but in any event, like uh, I think that the whole point I'm trying to make is that there is a recipe to this and only the produced televised versions of poker right now are hitting home on the entire recipe. And I would say that they're actually missing on the quote-unquote character one or player one, right? They're mm -hmm. leaning heavier on uh, we can develop a, a cast. But the problem is they don't develop consistency within that cast, right? It's, it's too vast. So when you look at like uh, the catalog for PokerGo, for instance, um, there are probably like 25 or 30 players that have double-digit appearances. But nobody has like triple-digit appearances, mm -hmm. right? Even though they maybe ran 100 shows. So like they lack that guy, that staple guy that you know is going to be there in like 80% of the shows. The Garrett. Yeah. And right. it becomes a love him or hate him type situation, right? If you choose and curate that, that character correctly, you will get a polarizing <laughs> response and you'll skew towards love him, but there will be a hate him crowd. Yeah. And that's all great for you, right? That's, that's massive. And you'd be perfect for that role, Matt Berkey. 
I'm a real love him or hate him kind of guy. Yeah, man. that's what I'm saying. Let's get you more people. Phil has 19 big blinds, more, bro. 19 more, big blinds. 19. <laughs> Come the fuck on. Oh, that's so crazy. Come on, man. Like, no, but more people like you than hate you, but you do you do have a polarizing uh, aspect to you at some time. So I think we should just get you on every single high stakes stream. Uh, I would love that, but I'm not. I'm not advocating for myself. Um, I am. I'm advocating for you. Fine. For a seat in the game or narrator. Do you listen? Ever? No, actually, I don't. Honestly, like, how about instead of how about instead of embarrassing all of us by asking the question in the mic, you just think it to yourself. It's like nothing wait, is more disruptive. Wait, back to what I was saying. For a seat in the game or commentary. Oh, Christ. Uh, so uh, final, final point I'm trying to make is that, uh, I think currently the live streaming realm is desperate for, uh, a stream house that's going to be able to nurture and curate all these parts. And it's a huge ask. It's a huge, huge ask. Do you know how, how difficult, how many, how many duds you're going to have to come across before you find a pairing like Nick and Shulman? Right. Uh, like, I think it's so incredible that PokerGo just churned out Brent and Platt. Like, how fortunate. Platt was telling us his origin story of, like, how he basically begged them for a job. Yeah. And, like, you know, we've known Brent forever. He kind of, like, just fell into that job playing a tournament next to Carrie one day where Carrie's like, yeah, I have this new startup. Like, are you interested? He's like, yeah. And then he's just, like, nurtured his way into a commentary role yeah. and a lot more on-camera type stuff. This is, this is really challenging. But there are people like Henry Kilbane out there who make it a priority in their lives to be very good at commentary and like mm -hmm. he to me is a prime example of like you can work off of henry yeah. you can build a commentary team off of henry where if you i don't think he's quite there with the the charisma and the wit and i'm not trying to i'm not trying to say he lacks those things no i'm saying i don't think he's quite there to where he can carry it himself and it's probably just you know more but i don't think nick is quite correct. there where he could carry it himself either yeah. he needs that banter to play off of somebody now it doesn't have to be somebody as sharp as ali Right, like I think even Kerstetter and Nick together would just be a dynamic duo, mm -hmm. right? But he needs he needs someone to to bounce off of, and most everybody will, right? right. Uh, I think Brent is a little bit unique in that he's just fucking goofy enough <laughs> that like he can like he knows just enough poker and he's just mm -hmm. goofy enough where he can kind of carry it himself. Yeah, and I think Najad is kind of that way too, where he can play both roles relatively competently. But most people are going to need a, a dynamic duo and a good team, and I think like Henry is a absolute prime example of somebody where if he just has a, a, a nice witty sparring partner to do the play-by-play, -play, it becomes the next duo instantaneously overnight. Like there's nobody in this game right now that I would advocate for, for more. Like I listen to his commentary and it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa's heated right now. He said, how is Berkey pairing fucking others with Henry? When we are the dynamic duo. I was going to say, so I was like, what I was going to say is so you're talking about Melissa should just be with him all the time. L listen. Wow. She fills that role perfectly. Okay. Don't you shower our friend right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shower her. You're going to fucking shower, shower our friend. She's not hard. even here. Right. That's, that's one reason why I'm going to shower her. <laughs> the second reason why I'm going to shower her is because she has a daily fucking podcast and she's not moving to goddamn LA to do some... <laughs> I, I, I will true. not allow it. Like, you're making pennies here, okay? We're not going to let you leave for dollars. <laughs> okay? Like, uh, listen, we, we need you here, like, just just ready to say everything and anything under the sun. No, look, we don't put a filter on you here, Melissa. Just think, like, yeah, you're not going to get rich, but you get to say whatever you want. Mm -hmm, which, is, which is more important. That's, yeah, freedom. Freedom, you know? Melissa. Come yes. on.
Like don't, don't, yeah, don't give in so easily. Okay. Like let's build up your chops here. And then, uh, whoever Henry ends up being paired with and moving on in his commentary world, with, let, let them be. You we'll, can do commentary on the weekends. We don't care about that. Yeah. Except there's no live streams on the weekends. <laughs> That's also another thing that I think, uh, would be relatively sharp. Uh, to me, it's crazy that, uh, like live at the bike is only running three days a week mm-hmm. and they're directly mirroring hustlers, uh, uh, lineups. Right? I also so like, think that that's because of players. I don't no. think no. You think players want to play on weekends? Who cares? I know that if you run a 100-200 game on Friday and they run a 100-200 game on Friday, there aren't that many 100-200 players to draw from. So the stream that's winning gets the better game. Yeah. So run it on Saturday. Right? Like it's crazy to me that you're running 25-50 on Wednesday and they're running 25-50 on Wednesday. You're running 100-200 on Friday and they're running 100. Like oh, yeah, yeah, you don't win the war of attrition with the more established brand. Yeah. Right? And I get that Live at the Bike was first, so technically like they're more established, but like their popularity was largely born out of Ryan and Ryan has now moved on to Hustler and he's carried that uh he's carried all of that um uh, I guess uh, credentials with him, right? And he brought his player pools with him. So it's like you have to find a way to share this liquidity pool. Otherwise, you just like get drowned out by the fact that this team, this this stream is doing a more established job. No, right? of course, you're right. So it's like uh, I, I don't mean any of this is criticisms to them. Uh, or oh, at least, just, sorry, uh, let me rephrase that. It is criticism. I mean this to be constructive. But yeah, but it just is what it is. Like it's they're they're losing the fight right now. Like they're just not their stream is not the better one out of the two, and you can't go up, up in competition every single night. Like, yeah, I think that's fair. But I also think that like uh, it's a little bit nitpicky in the sense that if if the streams were reversed, right? Uh, so say um, say the management team went to Hustler and got to operate with everything that like the the cameras everything minus the players and uh so everything minus the staff right and they went to the hustler set uh ran five days a week and the the management from hustler went to live at the bike and ran three days a week with that set i still think ryan ultimately wins and it boils down to the fact that he just carries with him uh a, a lot wider pool of players to draw from so he's able to he's able to create better games. Yeah, no, right I, now, I would agree with right? that. So uh, I want is, I want to be clear that like some of these criticisms for Live at the Bike, like they can't be helped. It, it's going to take a lot of time to curate a, a a player pool that will allow you to actually compete on the regular with an already established stream that has a deeper player pool to draw from. Yeah, this is hundred percent just Ryan, like his player list, like his player. It's list. the value of Ryan for sure. Yeah. yeah, right. But what I'm what I'm ultimately getting at is like there are a lot of other things to focus on other than uh, tweaking the set, tweaking the sound, uh, trying to bring in a Phil Hellmuth. Like, stop trying to stop trying to mimic what worked in the past. No, in my you, opinion, you got to build relationships. You have to build relationships, but you also have to get outside the box. Like you have to start paying attention to the things that, in my opinion, will move the needle most in the long run, and that is finding a player one, finding that main character that is going to be there and establish, uh, you know, some level of dominance in the game. I'm not even saying not like, an easy thing to do, by the way. No, of no, course not. None no, of these no, things are easy no, to do. Right, of course. Uh, or they just do. <laughs> yeah. So it's either yeah. finding a player one or finding a cast of characters that are week in and week out, and like they kind of have that in uh in Eric Hicks and JD I actually love Eric. Eric's great. <laughs> He's fucking great. Eric's great. <laughs> He's absolutely great. But uh, it's difficult because he's a businessman. Yeah. You know, he's not going to be able to give you all of his time and energy. Yeah. He needs to be 
able to just show up, play, and enjoy himself, right? And that's a difficult task for them to fulfill because it's like, well, you know, you got to give him a fair shake. You can't give him a lineup of six pros and say, like, do your best. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a fine balance to strike. I think that there's a lot that can be played with both with stakes, with the days that they run. Um, but bigger picture, what I would be putting a lot of my resources in personally would be trying to develop uh, one or a cast of characters that were consistently always in your lineup that you could build around, build, uh, build like character narratives around. And then number two, really hone in on trying to curate that commentary team. Like I would put, I would put dollars into that. Yeah, I would put a fair amount of dollars into that. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust the uh the feedback based off of a few youtube comments or who the staff within likes i would like really do a lot of testing like a lot of testing the way that they test movies you know you just get uh you you try your best to go to a bunch of different sources and you know maybe you get uh, a handful of pros that are willing to give you their feedback and and whatnot let them watch you find a handful of recreationals that uh you respect the opinions of you have them watch and give their feedback and everything else um but you know when you see it you know it right like we can agree i think across the board that the commentary is very fine on all of these streams the the commentary is like umpires to me on all these streams when they're not noticed they're doing a good job yeah and that tends to be the case Mm -hmm. um but that puts so much more of a heightened scrutiny on the gameplay, on the characters at the table to really drive the conversation and really try to engage with the viewer at home. Bro, how? That should never happen. That's what people were asking for when they say table talk reigns supreme. And that's why I appreciate what PokerGo does because never is that the case. We're never, like, we're never in lineups where... I, there are a handful of people that I can think of off the top of my head who believe if they're over the top talking and outlandish at the table, they'll get more invites. And always fails. Every one of them is at the bottom of a, of a long list always, of people to get invited. They're usually nits, too. <laughs> some, some, not all. But I mean, like, Randall's a good example. He's not a nit, and he's over the top. But he's too obnoxious to put on TV. Yeah, I was going to say, that's just another level of obnoxiousness. Sure, but it's like, uh, you, you know, you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it, too, when it comes to these types of things, I think. Uh, there, I, I'll leave it at this. I think that there are... I think that there's a template to be created here that is a little bit off of what we've been used to. I think that there's a, a, some sort of marriage between the daily live streams and the heavily produced television shows, and I think it's largely going unexplored. Um, and I think it will continue to go unexplored because Hustler has so many advantages that nobody can catch up, and Live at the Bike is trying to replicate what Hustler's already doing. And those two things will just lead to uh, stagnation in this collective space for a long period of time and nobody's really incentivized to move because uh hustler is killing it for all intent and purposes right like they they're what they got almost two hundred thousand views in 24 hours on a stream that's fucking incredible and why does live everybody have no incentive to move they have incentive but they don't have direction right so it's just like what you end up with is status quo yeah and the belief that uh it's just a volume thing Mm -hmm. where like if they just do this long enough on the new set or a televised product that eventually will land itself on Bally Sports, uh, they'll win in a different kind of way. I wouldn't trust that. Uh, I wouldn't trust like what's going on right now at all. Well, because that's the PokerGo model. 
is they build shows to later release on TV, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I imagine that there's value to that because obviously they continue to do it. But, you know, you can't forget about the fact that they're doing really well whenever they just put the show on their own platform. Like, I don't know what their subscription model is, but I imagine that it's doing relatively well. Okay. Um, at least at 10 bucks a month. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I find this stuff to be fascinating. I, and obviously, I could just be, like, totally wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not... Uh, well, Nick thinks I'm 100% <laughs> wrong. Uh, here we go again. Here we fucking go again. You thought I was 100% wrong once before, my friend. Um... Look, I don't, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't care if you think I'm wrong. Like, you have your own show. You can give your own opinion on it, uh, and that's fine. But uh, I think that the things I'm pointing to that are well-established and accomplished um, kind of back up what I'm saying. Like, I think we can point to some small fails along the way with Poker Go, and a lot of it was lacking one or two of these areas. I think the same can be said of past Live at the Bikes. I think the same can be said of like current Live at the Bike. And I think that, uh, you know, right now Hustler is kind of operating in a very sweet spot where uh, they don't really need to make any changes to just maintain dominance. And I think that that's a, I think as a business, that's a scary place to be. It's a nice place to be. It's a comforting place to be, but it's scary. It's going to take a lot for any of the other streams to catch up with them, including any of the Texas ones and like... Maybe. Uh, People thought that I'd live at the bike and the streaming space became incredibly competitive. Like once Poker Go started to be, be a thing, uh, a lot of streams, basically once the technology became more available, yeah. a lot of streams started cropping up. Now, don't get me wrong. It's just going to be... So, like nobody said, was doing the old live at the bike numbers, but as soon as Ryan opened his own streaming house, they did. Yeah. Right? I mean, so it's like... It's going to take another Ryan somewhere else though. That's the thing. Right. And that's hard to... I agree with you. Out. That's not... That's like running games in New York, in New York and shit. Like, yeah. that's, that's next level shit. It's hard to come by. Well, you have all of Texas to draw from. It's not that tough if you're the guy. Yeah, you just have to be the guy. Yeah. And want to do it. It's a Somebody lot. in Texas is the guy. Right? He's just not currently working for a stream house. Yeah, but that's... You have to incentivize that person and it's so hard to do running a stream. It's not really... You're not making... I mean, maybe... I think I think Ryan and Nick are doing pretty well. Well, they have WPTs felt on their table, and they're doing as a byproduct of what they've accomplished. Yes, of course. Okay, you don't think you do the same in Texas? I think WPT doesn't want to. You think WPT wants to be uh, just pigeonholed into one no. specific contract? No, but it's hard to curate another fucking Ryan or somebody along those lines to want to do this and want to like put in time to a stream game and put into something that might not pan out, like. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we're debating the word hard, then this is, this is a waste of energy because I agree that it's not something that could just be out of the box replicated, but if we're degrading or if we're debating possible, uh, I'm heavily on the side of like, it's, it's definitely possible. If you give me a market as big as Texas and some incentive, not, not even me, but just like anybody. No, I think we could do it here. No, disagree. Uh, Vegas market is very, very, very difficult. You're already competing with poker go. And uh, it's very, very, very pro-heavy. Most of the wrecks are coming from larger cities uh, that aren't that far away. Like yeah, Texas, it'd be hard to get the players, LA. for sure. Yeah, it, it's nearly impossible. I mean, Pogo spends months curating lineups. Ryan's churning them out daily, you know? Uh, and sure, 
like you can argue that some of the players are going to LA that you could otherwise keep here in house, but like they're not, they're not the fun players, right? They're not the players that are drawing in good action. They might be good characters, uh, like you know a sashimi type, but you know she's not the reason why people play, and that's really critical to build any lineup. You have to, as as important as it is that I'm saying you need a character one or a player one that you can follow like Garrett, it's far more important to have a core group of people that like people will show up to play with. Yeah. Nobody's showing up to play with Garrett. If anything, it's like quite the opposite where, uh, you know, you, you kind of lose some of the softer competition because he's a fucking force, right? Like that's another difficult balance to strike is developing somebody who's there day in, day out is obviously one of the better players in the game but isn't so intimidating that other players want to play with him. It's tough. Like, I'm not trying to downplay... Uh, I'm not trying to downplay Feldman's job at all. I think he absolutely crushes it. Yeah, for sure. Um, if anything, I'm trying to upplay how important it is to, or, or how much of a role guys like Garrett, guys like Keating, uh, and then commentators like Nick and Shulman actually play in this process. There are no, there are no stream games without these sort of characters. Uh, and I think Texas is a great example of that. There's no consistency in these streams whatsoever because they lack a Keating. They lack a Garrett. They lack, I mean, their commentary, like, no offense to those guys, but, like, you know, it's, it's amateur hour. So it's like they lack all of the key pieces, and what we see is that shows up in the, in the, in the views, you know? It's difficult to get a fucking Texas stream game popularized. And that's, TCH has been at it for two and a half, three years now? That's a long time. It's been a while. It's a long time not to get into the, to the 100K view counts. Yeah. I and I, I don't even know that they're increasing viewership. Like, I think they might be losing to the Lodge now more often. Right? Like, that little scene has become a lot more competitive. Yeah. So, like, what's happening there is what could potentially happen in LA if there's actual real competition. But, you know, whenever you... Whenever you... uh drag out Phil Helmuth as your marquee star <laughs> and nobody knows what stakes are being played. Nobody knows who's in the lineup. Nobody knows anything other than Helmuth is going to be there with 19 big blinds in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not really putting out a fucking competitive product. You what know? is he doing? What do you mean? He's what? playing. He's just fucking Helmuth Mixing week. it up. I just want to know like what this is good for. Like it's not good for streams, obviously. How no. is this good for TV? Like how does this, uh, this is bad ever, ever edit down to like Phil Helmuth is running a river bluff for $1,000. <laughs> He's all in, folks, uh. for $1,000. Like, this is 510 stakes. Yeah. Like, that's what you bluff for in a 510 game yeah. if the game is good. They're playing quarter 50 plus. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it would have been nice to see, like, at least if you're going to go that route, at least if Helmuth is going to be the marquee guy and the big selling point, they're going to play small stakes and he's going to be sitting there short stacking like a fucking nit that he is. <laughs> at least get, at least get like Jason and uh, Shamath and these guys from the All In podcast. They're people. Yeah, like, at, le at least let me watch people who are incredibly talented at what they do. <laughs> Right? Because, like, I don't want to watch <laughs> yeah. somebody who's perceived to be incredibly talented at what he does just play like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and I don't even mean idiot in the good sense of the word. 
I mean in the sense that they're playing 50 100 and he has 1900 dollars in front of him. Nineteen hundred dollars. Look at the look at these average stacks, man. Nobody has a hundred blinds in front of them. Crazy. Like there are three people who bought in for more than a hundred bigs. Go home. Just wrap it up. Call it a stream. <laughs> the only time we want to see people play this shallow is whenever it's like a super high roller bowl and they're just like the most elite players in the world who find a way to put in seven bets with a twenty-seven big blind stack. <laughs> you know, it's like I turned it on for like, I don't know, I'd say like three minutes total. Yeah, as soon as I saw same. him with 1,500 in front of him, I turned it right off. Yeah, I was Couldn't do like... It. Can't do it. it. The optics are just so goddamn bad. I, I like Eric, so I wanted to watch it Love for Eric. a little bit. I wanted to watch it for a little You know how much Eric had in front more? of him? Yeah. 650 big blinds. Yeah. <laughs> you don't give a fuck. Nope. It gives zero fucks. He'll just sell more electric bikes, man. He just <laughs> does not. <laughs> Shout out to my man, Eric. Like, he's one of the, he's one of the people that I've met in this, in this streaming industry that I, I enjoy the most. Uh, I, I like that like Helmuth was the marquee there and he just got the big dick the whole game. Uh, I don't even know what the results were. I don't care. <laughs> I, 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 I truly don't. Care. don't. Honestly, uh, without, seeing, without having watched much of the lineup, I think Oase was the only pro in the game. Outside of that, Eric's for sure the best player in that lineup. And like, you know, lean on that. Find a way to highlight that. Because he's your guy. He's definitely your He's the guy, guy that's there every single week. You know, like... Fuck Helmuth. No offense. He you stinks. stink. <laughs> get, get fucking Eric. Eric is your number one. Put a lineup around him and it would be awesome. Yeah. Like, I think that's literally where they should start. Yeah, I, I, I think it's... You hit that. You're right. He, he is the core to any cast that you're going to build, for yep. sure. But I th again, I think like a lot needs to be uh, manipulated in the stakes. I think a lot needs to be manipulated in the timing. Uh, the days, perhaps, yeah, of uh, developing a, uh, an actual crew that will play. They're not I, able to build if they're going to go honest, one and one. Like, honestly, honestly, at this point, if you're struggling to put games together and you're struggling to do all these things, be the stream that bucks the trend, man. Highlight professionals. Do 25-50 five days a week of local LA grinders who are willing to get in there and battle versus other really good players. It might fail. I, mean, I, I don't uh, think it's necessarily the recipe. That. Huh? I don't even think you can find that. Like, of course you can. You think you're going to find fucking some LA grinders that want to come play with pros that are traveling to play with them for no reason? Like you? you? Why would I go there? All right, but somebody... Nobody's going to travel. That's my whole point. You develop it within. You develop it organically. Take whatever the biggest game is on the floor at the bike and just put it on the feature table. You know? Maybe people don't want to do it, but I highly doubt that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they would have done it already. Doesn't... Um, no. No, because everybody, like has this, everybody has this template in their mind of what it's supposed to look like. And it's supposed to look like Farha back in 2006, punting off infinite money and having bricks of cash. there a few private games at Live at the Bike that are relatively high? Uh, Sasha runs a game. Or Saya runs a game, rather. Yeah, uh, like once or twice a week. But yeah, she doesn't have any incentive to put it on TV. That's, that's my point, though. Bro, like, you're talking about the difference between 2550 and 2400. Uh, you think Saya's game that's private is I the same it, I as a, it was one two. Even if it's one two, it's a private game. It's not the same as mm -hmm. the biggest open game that's running in the casino. Think about the Bellagio ten twenty game. Yeah. You think that's the same as the Bobby's Room one hundred two hundred game? Obviously not. Okay, that's my point. I also don't think the Bellagio ten twenty would want to be on stream. I don't think they would give a fuck. Every one yeah. of those kids in there have played high stakes on stream, but they just do because they get to play soft games. But they're also not going to say no. 
right? Like if if Bellagio started saying like, okay, uh, what we're going to do is from noon to six, Monday through Friday, we're going to stream the main game uh, in the 1020. Do you think people would stop showing up or do you think that a few more whales would start showing up in town? Well, I think if a few more whales did not start showing up, the game, people would stop showing up. Yeah, okay, maybe. That's, that's the thing, and I feel like it would just dry but out if quickly. Well, if, if, if that's the case, then uh, you need to either incentivize them or start curating other people. But the whole point is, like, it buys you time to start building up a player pool. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I, I think this notion that, like, good players don't want to battle against other good players on TV is just largely bullshit. There's a, a large young collective of guys like Landon that don't care if they're playing on stream or not. They're playing the same regardless. And if it curates a better lineup, then great. I just think it has to curate a better lineup. Why? Be they're playing the do. game anyway. Right? Like, what's the difference? Just highlight games that are already in your casino. Just pull them in. Hey, guys, it's Monday noon. We're thinking about making this the feature table. Who's in? Who's out? We have a list. That's kind of how what Live at the Bike started. It was. Yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what it was. It was the right? exact model. Yeah. And it's then, just like, okay, this, there's this game. It's a 510 game. It's going on. Correct. We're just going to put it on the stream. Yep. And they developed uh, a crew that you could count on week in and week out. Mm -hmm. And they were just the regulars at the casino. And at the time, they developed uh, a commentary set in Bart and Tuckman. Yeah. That were, at, at the time, for streams, the industry's best. Best, yeah. Right? I don't think what I'm saying is all that far off base. Uh, I don't think anything I've suggested is uh, proven to be false. If you're anything, you're 100% wrong. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I don't think you're far off. According to Tucci. I'm just pushing it back a little <laughs> bit. I mean, you're welcome to push back. I, I don't mind. Uh, I think for Tucci thinking I'm 100% wrong is funny. Um, I also think it's funny. You <laughs> give an LOL in there. Yeah, I also think it's funny. Like, uh, anytime this conversation comes up, there will always be like one or two guys in the chat that will be like, Berkey has no charisma. He's, he's the fucking worst to watch in these live games. Yada, yada, yada. It's like... Oh, this is why you don't got a seat, man. Oh, one, okay. One or two people. So, yeah. <laughs> a, you're literally watching me host a podcast. <laughs> and B, and B, name me one fucking player that you tune in to watch because they're charismatic. And don't say Garrett. Because that's not why you watch. It has nothing to do with his table talk. He could be stone silent for an entire month. He could go on a silent retreat at the table. Everybody would still tune in in droves. It has nothing to do with Chris. Bill Locke. Maybe. <laughs> Jeremy, maybe. Jeremy. Right? But, like, yeah. if Jeremy didn't play the way he plays, his charisma wouldn't carry it. It's because he's a fucking wild man. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, yes, he has great stories. He's interesting to listen to. Same reason why I would listen to a podcast with Jeremy. But uh, he doesn't have to do those things at the table. Right? It's just, uh, honestly, even, even then, when you're talking about charisma, it's the way they win and lose. The most memorable things I, I can think of with JRB are hands that he lost. It has nothing to do with like stories he's told, or I don't think to myself, like, oh man, this is going to be a great game because JRB's in there, and like, we're going to hear some shit. No, not at all. It's somebody's going to put a beat on him, and I'm going to watch his face go sour. <laughs> and we're going to hear about how like, this is case money, and you know, that stuff is... <laughs> His character. He's broke yeah. living JRB. You know, he's developed a character. So it's like, it, it's, not, it's not this notion of being able to carry on a conversation while gambling for high stakes. Like, as somebody who plays in that arena all the time, on or off stream, the only reason that makes for a good or bad game is because when you can get 
fun players talking about themselves, they really let their guard down and the game loosens up a bunch. That's the only reason, right? You, you, cut, you cut the tension out of the air. That's the main purpose of table talk in my personal opinion. It has very little to do with the actual audience at home. Uh, and I think like TV games can tend to be a bit stuffy, which is why you want to get characters in there so that they don't play differently, so that everybody doesn't play like Helmuth and sit there on 19 big blinds. I'm just going to keep belaboring this point. <laughs> 19 big blinds. This fucking guy. Man, he stinks, stinks so bad. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, all right. That's going uh, to be it for today, I think. We've gone long enough. I think we've exhausted the subject. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is two hours. And we have 435 watching. This is way better than yesterday. Thanks, everyone. Oh, that's good. No, no more of that. It's because we're talking about more about poker. No more of that midday uh, bullshit, 3 o'clock fucking. That yeah. is horrible. It also mm -hmm. isn't two hours. Uh, it's our usual hour and a half. But uh, <laughs> if you guys are interested in uh, attending the Academy, I was going to get this plug in. We have one seat left. Head to academy.solferwide.io. Um, we also have some new updates coming through on the uh, Software TV site soon. Uh, we just added a range viewer, which is going to have uh, preflop ranges. I'll talk a little bit more about this once, um, once we have everything buttoned up. Uh, I'm going to make a, uh, a brief tutorial showing on how it works uh, as well. But know that that's something you can look forward to as a member coming soon. Uh, and then finally, if you guys are interested in any sort of uh, SolferWide or OnlyFriends merch, just go ahead and hit hashtag merch in that chat. It'll take you to the site. Uh, if you want to type it in yourself, it's academy.solferwide.io. Click on the merch tab. You'll see, uh, I think we have four pieces of OnlyFriends merch, as well as a bunch of hats, t-shirts, hoodies, loud shirts, poker yeah. out loud. You got it, man. You got it. Um, so on that note, thank you guys as always for tuning in and watching. Uh, we appreciate you. Please leave a like, comment, and subscribe on your way out of here. Uh, let's keep this channel growing a little bit. For as much as I, I think I know about how uh, to establish a live stream and potentially bring in a bigger audience there, gotta tell you, don't feel quite as sharp on the podcast side. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 please like, please subscribe. Uh, I, do ha I do have some ideas in mind, but they're gonna take a lot of work and effort so uh stay tuned for that hopefully over these next hundred we'll keep refining this show into something that can be uh pretty impactful thank you guys we'll be back around noonish tomorrow me conrad and the tortoise for one more time this week right we'll get melissa back in here next week we'll see you guys then tomorrow's friday peace